Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. In our economy, consumption accounts for 60% of gross domestic product. Back in the 1970s, many of the Western economies experienced so-called stagflation, the simultaneous occurrence of both economic stagnation and inflation. Traditional Keynesian economists postulated that monetary stimulus by governments would by itself create economic growth. Keynesian economics was developed by British economist John Maynard Keynes during the 1930s, was his attempt to understand the Great Depression. Keynes advocated for increased government spending and lower taxes to stimulate demand and pull the global economy out of depression. Until the 1970s, many economists believed there was a stable inverse relationship between inflation and unemployment. They believed that inflation was tolerable because it meant the economy was growing and unemployment would be low. The general belief was that an increase in demand for goods would drive up prices, which in turn would encourage firms to expand and hire additional people. This would then create additional demand throughout the economy. According to this theory, if the economy slowed, unemployment would rise, but inflation would fall. So to promote economic growth, a country's central bank could increase the money supply and drive up demand and prices without being terribly concerned about inflation. According to this theory, the growth in the money supply would increase employment and promote economic growth. And the 1970s proved that that theory was not true. In fact, you only need to look at Venezuela for a modern-day example of that theory not working. It took the work of economist Milton Friedman, who didn't believe in this theory of cost-push inflation. He believed that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. In other words, he believed that prices couldn't increase without an increase in the money supply. To get the devastating effects of inflation under control in the 1970s, the Federal Reserve would have to follow a constrictive monetary policy. So fast forward to today. We have central governments all over the West printing money like never before. But it's not having much of a stimulative effect on the economy. It's inflating asset prices, but not creating a substantial jump in economic growth. The other major factor that can't be overlooked is demographics. If I observe my own behavior, there was a time when I was willing to spend money on a large scale. I remember ordering matching custom-made leather sofas for our home. They were stunning. Today, my values have changed. I would never do that today. Maybe it's because I'm over 50. Maybe it's the result of spending considerable time on board a boat realizing that I don't need all that stuff. There's no question I'm actively opposed to spending money these days. I want to invest, not consume. I'm putting increasing amounts of money into assets and not into consumption. So am I partly responsible for economic slowdown? I see other people my age spending less on consumption too, even if they're not investors. In our family, we took the decision to reduce our household from two cars to one. The number of times when both my wife and I need the car at the same time is hardly worth justifying the extra expense. So if there's other people out there like me, does that mean I'm the cause of the next recession? And if 60% of GDP is consumption, then consumption is the key to economic growth. Now we have an economic system that requires never-ending growth in order to survive. Unless you have growth, there's no way to practically retire debt, and debt is borrowing from the future to spend money today. The only way that debt makes any sense is if you have more money in the future than you do now. If the growth isn't there, then the only solution is the inflation of the money supply. And in the world of inflation, the currency gets devalued. It has the effect of increasing prices. And when prices rise, 
three things are affected. Number one, people on fixed income have their purchasing power eroded. They can't spend as much on consumption. The only way to feed the consumption side of the economy in those cases is to make more consumer credit available. Number two, savings get devalued. And number three, debt gets devalued just the same way that savings do. That's why governments are inflating their way out of our current debt bubble. So the question is, are there new barriers to employment that are not influenced by monetary policy or fiscal policy? If you live in California, the state government continues to make it less attractive to do business there. New laws are making it less attractive to hire in the state of California. If the Fed prints more money or lowers interest rates further, you're not going to see a lot of new hiring happening in California. Access to credit isn't what's preventing more people from getting hired. If you look at Japan, as soon as their population peaked in 2005 and started to shrink, you saw economic stagnation. In fact, today there's over 11 million vacant, that's right, 11 million empty homes in Japan. The birth rate and immigration are not sufficient to sustain the population. Japan's population has continued to shrink and their fertility rate is currently 1.4, far below the 2.1 needed to maintain population constant. And the U.S. population is barely growing, largely through immigration. If you want to see our economic future, just look to Japan for a clue on how it might unfold. Increases in government spending and higher debt-to-GDP ratios have not helped stimulate economic growth. As you think about that, be aware we may see stagflation again in our future. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.